Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Review. <clears throat> on the air. Uh, it's beautiful here in the city of Chicago. It is just so muggy, so humid. We're trying to <laughs> stay cool 
any way possible. But it's it's beautiful. I mean, there's no real complaining about it, but it is so beautiful. It's wonderful. And I hope the George Wilder Jr. Show hopes that it's wonderful and magnificent wherever you are in the world. Really, I do. I, I really hope everybody is doing beautiful, doing great, doing wonderful. No time to be depressed about the shit that's going on in the world. It's time uh, for people to start feeling good inside of themselves. And just go on about what you do. You go to work, you go to school, you volunteer. I mean, you just, you, you're just a, such a great help around in your community and you're helping others. You know, I mean, uh, hey, wow. I think you're fantastic. I really do. And um, because that's what I do. That's what my son does and, and uh, uh, other people. Uh, I, I think that, um, and um, Claudia, she does the same thing. And <laughs> well, who's Claudia? Uh, uh, it's just beautiful in the city of Chicago and it's been beautiful for the past few days. Uh, the weekend was just about the same as today. Muggy, but beautiful. You know, you know, uh, it, it's like one of those, I think I wrote something to this effect. It's like one of those hazy, crazy days of summer, hazy, crazy, lazy days of summer. Uh, it, uh, that's a song that was recorded way back when by Nat King Cole. And it feel uh, if, if you if you have some time, go look it up. It's on the it's a, it's on the online somewhere. Uh it, it's like that, a lazy, crazy, hazy days of summer. And we were out there and we were just emulating emulating the same thing. Lazy, crazy, hazy in the summer. It it's just beautiful. And I do hope it's uh, nice where you are. I know some places are raining and it's storming and uh, hang in there. It's going to get beautiful. Just hang in there. Okay. Um, this is the George Wilder Jr. Show. We are starting a new week today. Uh, we'll be, we're on four days a week, Monday, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. Sometimes 8 o'clock depends on what's going on. But most of the time we're on just, uh, you know, um, that uh, hour and a half, I believe, right? Yeah, okay. Sometimes it may be two hours. Depends on what's going on. All right. Be nice to one another out there. You know, it is so uh, uh, easy to be nice to people. Be nice to people, even if they're assholes, and we got a lot of them. Just be nice to some people. You know, be nice. Be smile. Don't be angry. I mean, if you're angry like they're, like they may be angry. I mean, you're just feeding into their egos or whatever. Uh, be nice to people. Be nice to each other out there, okay? Vote blue, all right? We got, we're all going to vote blue. I am not a Democrat, but I do lean that way uh, because I'm sure in the hell <laughs> is not a Republican. Did you see that monstrosity in London last week? Or was it last week, uh, two weeks ago? Whenever it was. Did you see Donald Trump? Did you, did you see his ass? Pathetic ass. With the queen. That was just, he went over there and he embarrassed the hell out of the United States. And for anybody who's trying to defend something like that, defend Donald Trump, to say it's not as bad as we see it, or they can just, (laughs) I don't want to use a lot of bad language on the show, but they can just, you know, go straight to hell. You know, because there are some people defending Donald Trump's pathetic behavior in London. The British, I mean, the 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 Britons, they had a baby blimp. Everybody, everybody in the world has <laughs> has heard something about or know a pretty damn good about the baby blimp in London um, a few days ago. And wow. He is the most pathetic. You know, the Brits, they made it clear that they did not want Donald Trump in their town. They made it so clear with this baby blimp and protests all over the place. Donald Trump saying, well, they don't like me. And then he turns around to say they love me. That is just a pathetic liar. I mean, he is just. They was chanting for him to get go back home as if we want him. You know, 
<laughs> we don't want that fool. Um, I was looking at some of the reviews that I've gotten at, on some of the things that I've written uh, over the years, and I see one star for lady, landlady from hell. <laughs> one star, folks. That means that whoever... Well, this this is not a, a review. It's just like a rating. I wonder did the person actually re- read the book before they decided to give it one star. Anyway, I, I, have to go, <laughs> I have to go and try and delete that because I don't want that one. Oh, I've got a lot of five, four and five stars. I got more four and five star ratings for and reviews for my books than I have one star. Um, and I'm just not seeing this. I mean, when you're a writer and, and you bust your ass doing what you love and you put it out there and somebody goes one star, uh-oh, got to do something about this <laughs> because that one star can take your whole batch of books, whole batch of writings down. But I've, got, I've gotten uh, great reviews on a lot of my latest stuff and, and some of my old stuff. But this is, this is, you know, a lot of times these folks give you these one star, two star reviews and you don't deserve them. You don't deserve them. It just, it's just that these people are just nasty people. They, they just mean and nasty people who just go around and giving people one stars because they can't stand somebody being creative, someone being creative. So we're going to have to um, – and a lot of times when I do get uh, one, two, three-star reviews, I'll go back and I'll uh, look over and read over the manuscript. And if I, and if I find that their uh, rating or their review is valid, then I'll make a lot of changes. Then I'll resubmit the book, uh, uh, choose a new title for it, and, uh, and uh, I'll resubmit the book after I do a little bit more editing. You know, but, but there are times when I have uh, gotten one star. And I'll go back to review the book. I'll go back to read the book. And I'll find I'm saying, what's wrong with it? I don't see anything wrong with it. You know? But sometimes getting one star can, um, as a writer, I mean, it can really, really rock your world. Rock your world. It, it, it really can. And because you work so hard on something and somebody goes along and says, hey, that ain't shit. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, but this particular book, Landlady from Hell, I've, I've, uh, I, I think this is an old review from way back when. But still in all, I have to do something about it because this book is not really in circulation anymore. Uh, I've redone this book. I've re- re-edited it uh, and resubmitted it under a new title. But obviously, uh, the writer got a hold of this one and <laughs> or, or not, you know. All right, uh, the George Wilder Jr. Show is on the air. I was talking about uh, – I don't think reviews are um, necessary to sell your book. I mean, they look good on your Amazon page. They look great or your Books and Noble page or your Books in a Million page, wherever you got your book and you've got uh, several reviews. I think they're great. Uh, don't get me wrong. I would, I would want – I want every positive review about my work that I can get, but I'm just saying I don't think – I don't think you actually need to um, have a review because a lot of people who buy your book, they are not going to review it. There's so many people who read your book and download your book, but they cannot write a review to save their souls. I don't, I don't know what's so hard about a five-star, I like it, I loved it, and that's it. You know, A lot of people uh, will not write a review because some people are not uh, – I mean to write a review on Amazon, I think you have to be – uh, Amazon member and a lot of people aren't members of Amazon so they can't they can't and will not write a review you know either they like the book oh George I loved it I loved it I loved it can you write a review no I can't all right uh, the George Wilder Jr. show is on the air these Republicans typically support typically support Trump and they're talking about Gowdy Mitchell Ryan and uh, Orrin Orrin Hatch, powerful lawmakers are backing intelligence agencies. Yeah, Trump doesn't believe. We have five or six intelligence agencies that's, that's saying that Russians hacked our elections. Russians helped him get elected. Trump will not believe it. Everybody in the, in the intelligence agency believe it. Everybody, every Democrat believes it. 
because there is mountains and mountains of proof. But Trump will not believe it. He he, he can't believe it. He he don't. This man is a traitor. This man is a buffoon, an idiot, a clown. If you saw the performance over in London, I mean, you just know this guy. He embarrassed the United States to its core. I mean, you've got some of the uh, staunchest Republicans coming out and saying Trump is no longer the leader of the free world. He isn't. He kisses Putin's ass. I mean, I'm on CNN here, folks, and I'm seeing all kinds of criticism of Donald Trump, who wants to meet with Putin one-on-one. I think it's happening today or tomorrow. And a lot of us are saying, don't let Trump, do not let Trump meet with Putin one-on-one. A lot of people... A lot of people saying, what, what, what is he going to be doing? He's going to be talking about hacking into the midterm elections or kissing Putin. A man, Putin, a crook, a dictator, someone who doesn't give a damn about human rights, and Trump looks up to this guy. Trump is mush in Putin's hands. He is much. Do you have compromising info, info on Trump? Of course he does. Of course he does. And uh, there are so many, many Republicans, even some of a lot of the asshole Republicans are saying that they are backing the intelligence agencies who have said that we what we've always known about that Trump uh, uh, won the election with Russian help. Help, he asked for. He asked the Russians to hack Hillary's email. It's on video. It's on tape. Him asking, straight up, straight out, looking dead into the camera, asking Russia to hack Hillary's emails and saying that they will be rewarded by our press with his dumb ass and now they're breaking their asses and saying well he didn't mean to say it that way what he was really trying to say was they're trying to clean it up but you can't clean it up it came straight out of his mouth he asked Russia to hack Hillary's Kim president and the minute he said it they started immediately hacking her emails and hacking into uh, meddling into our elections. There was irredisputable truth on that. And Trump is going, oh, no, it ain't. No. And you got a few of these Republicans, they are really, really upset with Trump. They know he should be removed. Why don't they remove him? They know he is an embarrassment to the United States. They know he's taking down our country piece by piece. They know it, but they will not do anything about it. And people ask why. Why, George? Uh, Why the Republicans will not impeach Trump? Why they will not uh, stop him? Why they will not curtail his power? Why? Because they need Trump. They need Trump to sign into law anything that they put in front of him. They need Trump for their dirty work. They need Trump to, to, to help them cut Social Security. They need Trump to help them eliminate Medicare. They need Trump to... Uh, food stamps, to get rid of food stamps, and every other kind of governmental program there is. Food stamps, rent subsidies, they want to cut it all, and they need Trump to do that. They need Trump uh, because the Republicans right now, they voted on a lot of bills right now that that we haven't heard about. Yeah, they've already cut Social Security. They, they've already cut a lot of uh, social programs, social net programs for people. They've all, now all they have to do is just put it on Donald Trump debts. He signs it. It's over. 
it's over. They've already cut a lot of stuff. He just is just not signed into law already. So they don't want to do it now because they know the midterms are coming up. So they're going to wait until after the midterms to try to do this. But a lot of Republicans know that they will not have a job after the midterms. Donald Trump will be checked and balanced if he is still in office during the midterms. I would think that Donald Trump would probably retire. I mean, uh, resign. Because if the Democrats take both houses, Donald Trump is weakened. He will be impeached with or without Nancy Pelosi. He will be impeached. Dean Waters has, will, will have access to his finances and his taxes. So with all of that, I'm thinking Donald Trump will probably resign once he sees uh, the blue wave, the swarm of a blue wave coming and knocking his stupid ass over. Okay, here's an opinion. I, I, I think I mentioned this saying that uh, Trump is no longer the leader of the free world. Trump has never been a leader of the free world. Trump has all been all about himself and the dollar. The dollar. Making money. Using the White House as his cash cow. Making money. Okay, it says here Trump is no longer the leader of the free world. What, is, what else does it say? Let's see. With a video trying to come up. All right. Trying to get some adjustment here, folks. Since the Second World War, spanning 14 U.S. presidents, Republicans and Democrats, the occupant of the Oval Office has been referred to as the leader of the free world. Of course. Of course. Every president we've had we always referred that president to the leader of the free world until now. Over his last 18 months in office, Trump has surrendered that mantle without a mandate to do so. Trump's impulse is to echo Russian President Vladimir Putin's taking points and advance his agenda, even as elements of his administration attempts to push back to protect long-standing American interest. Time and time, time and time again, the world has witnessed what journal, journalist uh, describes in his book, Collusion, as Trump weirdly uh, deferral behavior toward Putin, his singular reluctance to criticize his boundless willingness to appease and his desire to face time. Of course, I mean, Trump is in love it's, it's like a love fest. It's like a love story whenever they're together. And Trump looks up to Putin. Trump is a follower. Putin is the leader. Trump follows Putin. And it is no doubt about it. Trump, it, 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 I mean, he, and he is just uh, putty in Putin's hands. Putin is the leader. Trump looks up to Putin. Putin is, is his hero. <laughs> is his hero. And then he comes back here and he cuts uh, Social Security. He cuts Medicare. He cuts everything uh, that you and I enjoy because we hate him. They hate him. Have you, have you ever noticed when he goes to Russia, nobody is uh, <laughs> protesting him? There's no protest. There's nothing because that's Russia. If them asshole tried to protest Trump in Russia, who knows? They could wind up dead. And that's the reason why a lot of them don't protest him. Trump, he admires dictators. He wants to be one of them. He's going to a one-on-one, one-on-one meeting with Putin to learn how to be a dictator, what it takes to be a dictator. And there is no doubt Putin is going to be trying to meddle into the 26, 2018, excuse me, 2018 uh, midterms, which with Trump's blessing. And we all know it. 
there should never be a one-on-one with these two crackhead leaders. You don't know what they're discussing. Most of the most of Americans, if not the majority of them, Americans, do not want Trump to meet alone with alone with Putin. And the only reason why he wants to meet alone with Putin is so they can discuss dirt. Or because if it wasn't dirt, if it was policy, it would be open to uh, reporters, journalists. Uh, uh, a meeting that would uh, resonate around the world, but they don't want that. Trump don't, don't he don't want that. He's going to go into a meeting with Putin, and who knows? He just might lick his feet, literally lick his feet. Wow, Trump is the dumbest, the most stupidest, the most. imbecilic president ever ever and that's not only me saying that that's the American people saying that and that's some of the people in his own party that's the Democrats saying that and I agree with it all of it I mean if you saw his performance in London you would he walked in front of the queen he didn't turn back to see if she was okay he could have stepped on a damn toe and he wouldn't have cared the thing about this is that wherever Trump goes in the world to meet leaders, he wants to be out front. He wants to be seen. He wants to take up all of the camera and FaceTime. I remember last year he was he was uh, talking to a foreign leaders, and he pushed his way to the front of the line. So he uh, and we all said, "Look at that fool!" You know he pushed his way to the line, front of the line. He did the same thing today. I mean, when you go to London and you meet the Queen, there are certain protocols uh, uh, should be suffice, should be the norm. Bowing, uh, showing respect for the Queen. Trump showed no respect. No respect, no decency, no class, no nothing. Because he has none. Trump would be better off if he was selling watches on Broadway. That's, <laughs> that's, that's career, not as president of the United States. He's unfit. He's unhinged. He's sick. He's mentally disturbed. He's an embarrassment to the country. He's an embarrassment to the world. Nobody wants him. So they send him back to America. Go home, Trump, go home. Hey, we don't want him either. Keep him. But that's what they're saying now. It is just one of those crazy things that this guy has time and time again embarrassed, truly embarrassed the United States of America. And I agree with the journalists. He is no longer the leader of the free world. He is a Russian agent, a Russian spy. And his mission is to destroy everything America stands for and to become a dictator. Thank you. 
right, welcome back to the George Wilder Jr. Show. <laughs> and like I said, folks, it's a great day in the city of Chicago, and I hope it's even better where you are. And it is beautiful. If you if the weather is great where you are, get out and enjoy it. Take a walk around the. I mean, just enjoy it. I mean, you don't have, you don't need a lot of money to get out there and enjoy the weather. Get out there and enjoy it. Be, um, take a part in it. I mean, meet your neighbors or whatever. Uh, all right, thanks. <laughs> the George Wilder Jr. Show is now on the air. Hey, you're on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Go right ahead. Hi, George. Andrea. This is Andrea Redlin. Wow. Thank you for coming. I mean, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling in. <laughs> thank you for doing the show. Uh, it it is hot and muggy. Me. No problem. It is hot and muggy here. And so I may, you know, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, and you are an author. Yes, as are yeah, you. Yeah, uh, books for middle schoolers? Yeah, I would say middle schoolers, um, possibly teens, depending on, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Some of the books deal with a a little bit more mature things, but they don't go into explicit detail because I want to keep the books clean yet, you know, interesting enough for adults, but, you know, clean enough for kids. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Andrea... Uh, Redland on the George Wilder Jr. Show. Give us a little bit of your bio and then tell us about what you do. Well, I've been writing like regularly since the age of 13. I started in journals. I was 19 when I started writing my first novel. That novel is now over 600 pages, but I refuse to publish it until it's ready because you never want to publish your first book. So I elected to publish my third and fourth books, and I just recently published my fifth. Wow, congrats. You do a lot of writing, huh? How do you get the time to write so much? I'm sorry, what? I said, how do you get the time to uh, always write, to write so much all the time? How do you make time? Well, um, part of it is done on my lunch hours at work. (laughs) And part of it is done by sacrificing all the time I could spend watching Downton Abbey. Yeah, yeah. You know, I heard there's going to be a movie. Yes, I just heard that too, like yesterday. (laughs) I'm so excited. Yeah, yeah. Um, So uh, tell us about your book. Tell us about uh, the content of your books and what's in it and how – how does it help uh, middle middle schoolers, middle schoolers and older uh, kids in school? How does it help? How do your books help? Well, I would have to say my books help. They they help to show kids that you can pull inner strength from almost anywhere. But it really helps when you have good friends, and sometimes those yeah. friends pop up from unusual places. Sometimes those friends start off as your worst enemies. Yeah, and you're right. Right. Sometimes um, kids go through bad times, and they themselves they may not become bad, but their behavior changes negatively mm-hmm. because they're impacted mm-hmm. on their environment. But mm-hmm. if they're shown enough love and encouragement and support, there is hope. There is hope for people, yeah. and that's one thing I try to portray in my books that people can change. Mm-hmm. Have you yourself uh, dealt with a lot of kids? Have you worked in the uh, educational system or, or teacher? Or, uh, and, no, and got the I feel? haven't. I, okay. Other than being a mom, I haven't worked with a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. But you do, but, but you uh, probably look at your own kids and, and they might relate to, other kids, their behaviors, their actions, whatever they do, you use your own kids to uh, to to help you write yeah. the book, or you just um, I kind of draw on personal experiences. Like mm-hmm. a lot of yeah. my protagonists in my books, they tend to be the outcasts because okay, my book series, which is the Holly Hollow series, is of which I have two books right now, and the third is being written. The protagonists, they live in a small town. Each book takes place in a different era of history. But my protagonists are 
often the town outcasts. One, because um, his younger brother died, and he just kind of shut down. And sometimes mm-hmm. kids, especially boys, they don't know how to <laughs> handle emotions very well when they're yeah. very young. So it does yeah. help to talk out. And the other yeah. one, she's not exactly an outcast, but... um. Oh wait, I'm thinking of the right, yeah, sorry, I'm thinking of the wrong book. The one that I'm currently working on, her family is an outcast because her parents are, work in the death industry. Wow. Okay, so this wow. Is kind of an interesting concept. Her family actually has a house in the, the town graveyard. So you so all your books are not based on uh books for middle schoolers. That's just a separate book. I have in the Holly Hollow series two which are published one unfinished those are for middle schoolers and my other book is a a women's humor book okay so you just kind of dab in it all yeah I'm (laughs) I'm kind of unusual among writers I'm have you ever heard of a polymath no okay a polymath is someone who has more than one specialty in a given area. Yeah. yeah. Like most yeah. people who are like gifted, it's usually just one thing. Like they're either an artist, they're a writer, they're a musician, just one thing. Yeah. I'm all yeah. three of those. Yes, I am too. I'm a musician. I'm a writer. I'm also a radio host. So, uh, and I've okay, said that you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. Uh, and because usually, if you have a talent in one area, you have a you also have a talent in another area. Uh, it, it's up to you to find that talent, you know, and uh, right. enjoy what you do. Um, yeah, I, I write. I love writing. I'm, I'm doing. I'm working on I can five tell. or six. I'm working on five or six stories right now as as we speak, um, and I love it. I love it. It's fun, especially if I can find a, a, a good story to tell. You know, even if I make it up, I sometimes I just make all that crap up. Uh, but if you read That's one of my books, you, but you know, right, make it up. And if if you and I've had people tell me, George. Uh, you really did that? No, I did not. I, that's made up. I, I I didn't do any of that. That's just <laughs> I just it just came out of my head. But that's yeah. good writing when people think that it that you actually that that's your character that you put in a book is actually you. And when you right. know it's not, you know, and they are mm-hmm. I mean they'll believe it until hell freezes over that it's you and that everything you <laughs> yeah. say in the book you've done it, you know. But a lot yeah. of the things in my books. Um, I do put a little bit of me in everything that I write. I mean, I, oh, I don't sure. see no, no author not doing that, but I don't yeah. really, you know, uh, it's not all me. You know, I, I could dream about something right. one night and I get up in the middle of the night and go to the computer. Wow. Type yeah, that down. Just, I, you know. I carry yeah. around a notebook with me constantly yeah. because I can't stop. The ideas will not stop. I can't help it. Yeah, they will come, and and I will get up From in the everywhere. middle of the night. I get up in the middle of the night, go. To, I say, I got to get this down. If I don't, I'm gonna forget it. I got it. it it's great. Yep, I'm gonna get exactly. Maybe be, oh, I you feel know, your so. pain. Yeah, I, 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 everybody's asleep, and I'm creeping around at two or three <laughs> o'clock in the morning. You know, and I say, I got to get this down. I, you know, it, and it's true. It's very true. And yeah. uh, I just love writing. I, I love writing. I, you know, and I write when I write. I'm like you. I do a lot of diverse writing. I may write yeah. about, I may write a, I may write a romance. I may write something mm-hmm. uh, like you, on 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 school and teachers. I may write something. I may do a horror book. I may do a another yeah. love story. You know, uh, I'm I'm I may do a nonfiction. I may write about the president of the United States. You know, I try to uh, <laughs> be versatile. You know. Versatile yeah, in my and that's, writing. That's so. one of the beauties of being a polymath like you and I. We're a rare breed. We're very versatile. We can <laughs> translate what we've learned yeah. in some things and take it to other things. Yeah, yeah. And I, I look at my readers when I do that. I say, well, if you don't like reading about Dracula, 
maybe you'll love this love story over here. And if you don't like the love story, maybe you can go over here to my nonfiction. I'm talking there about the go. government. You know, if you don't like that, then check out my poems or check out my essays. <laughs> you know, I try to, yeah. <laughs> you know, so oh, I'm taking up all your time. Uh, do you have? No, uh, you're excerpt? fine. You're fine. Oh, uh, do you have an excerpt that you can read to us? Yeah, I do. Um, okay. This one, it, uh, let's see. I think everybody should be in for a good laugh. So you want to hear from my humor book? Why not? Yeah, why not? Okay. Let me pull it up here. Actually, it is pulled up. It's just my computer is not cooperating. Hang on a second. Yeah, okay, I know. I know humor, the feeling. My, <laughs> my humor book um, <laughs> is called Estrogen at Your Own Risk. Yeah. Sort of like enter at your own risk, but yeah. And yeah. it's basically a bunch of uh, stories I wrote based on my own life, but they're like observances on the perils of womanhood in the 21st century and all the high expectations on us. But um, chapter one, I'll read an excerpt. It's called Apartment Annoyances because I lived in an apartment for 16 years. We just bought a house, thankfully, about a year ago, but this is a small part of the crap I had to go through living in an apartment with three people and a very small space. Okay, here we go. I'm kind of a slob by nature, but when you live in a 900-square-foot space, it's kind of hard not to be. I went on YouTube recently just to see if anybody else had posted videos of their messy homes. I thought I'd find something akin to hoarders or, at the very least, someone like me who has a lot of hobbies and no place to store the stuff that accompanies them. What I didn't expect to find were these delusional women with immaculate homes where the only mess is five dirty dishes in the sink and one small <laughs> grocery bag of not-put-away canned goods on the kitchen table. They stand there surrounded by pristine tranquility of the kind I could only dream of, saying stuff like, this is the worst my house has ever looked. It's horrible. What do you think? Well, let me tell you what I think. First of all, if my house looked that horrible, my husband would think I'd <laughs> suddenly turned into Linda Cobb, the queen of clean. Or perhaps Marie Kondo, the empress of the minimalism movement and the KonMari method. These anonymous YouTube women with their horrible messes don't have a darn clue what a real mess is. My messes, on the other hand, were created by unlicensed professionals. In my opinion, a lived-in house is the most comfortable. I don't want to live in a magazine photo, afraid to breathe because I might generate dust. Unfortunately, most people these days seem to prefer the perfectly decorated immaculate home that has no character or insight into the owner's personality. When did we become so afraid of stuff when we spend half of our lives working to buy it? Okay, that's the end of the excerpt. <laughs> I don't want to take <laughs> wow, up all of your time. I love the way you just jump in and out of character. <laughs> <laughs> I did take drama wow. in high school. Yeah, I mean that was that was something. Said, wow, she's jumping in and out of character. That's uh, that's something, you know. Thank you. Uh, but that well, makes you know when, when you do that, that makes it so interesting. That makes it really uh, so interesting. And uh, uh, where can we go find your books? Okay, you can find links to all of my books on my website, mm -hmm. which is www a N D R I A dot com and you'll find links to all of them there. Right now, Estrogen at Your Own Risk is available to read for free on www.inkit.com. Okay. I-N-K-I-T-T. So that one will be free to read for right now. But the other two, um, the, okay, the the first one is called For Her Courage. That one is on Amazon, or you can find it on www.lulu.com. That's L-U-L-U.com. Yeah. And the other one in the series called The Ruffian Redeemer, 
that one is also on Lulu. It just came out in soft cover. And as soon as the Google search enables thingy, I'm not technical, um, <laughs> enables it, That's it will okay. be available probably on the Barnes & Noble website. And the third book in that series, which I'm working on, and the title of that will be The Gravedigger's Daughter. The Gravedigger's Daughter. I, lo- I love that title. Wow, Thank it sounds you. dramatic. It sounds like it's going to be something good, you know. That's going to keep me reading. I mean, it sounds great. Do you have family lives in the graveyard? (laughs) Do you have anything on Amazon? A lot of people love to go to Amazon. Well, so far I've got for her courage there. Um, Uh The Ruffian Redeemer has only like just been published, so it's going to take a few weeks to register. Okay. But you can find links to any any of those books on my website, and I will tell you Mm -hmm. that my Holly Hollow series books they can be read. In any order. Wow. Okay. So each one is a standalone, but if you do read them in order, you'll find little Easter eggs sprinkled here and there. <laughs> Sounds great. Andrea Redland on the George Wilder Jr. Show. I wish you a lot of luck. Uh, I'm going to send you a link to the show once it's processed so you can take this, this show and uh, put it on your website. and People can come by your website and listen to you on the show from your website. How's Thank that? Thank you so much, George. I'm so You're honored welcome. to be on your show. It's been a while since I've done this. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I can tell you were a little bit nervous. <laughs> Don't worry, I get nervous <laughs> too. So, I, you know, it's my show and I've been on it for years, but I still get nervous. And uh, nervousness I'm is something I'm only human. That, you know, right, you're only human. I was going to say it's just natural. It comes natural yep. to some people, you know. All right, thank you for being on the show, and I hope to hear from you again. I mean, once you finish your other book, uh, you know, your next book or whatever, come back on the show and we'll push it. Thank you so much. I'll remember that. I will. As soon as it's done, I will let you know. (laughs) Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. Goodbye. Bye. Andrea Redland on the George Wilder Jr. Show. We will be right back after this.
We now have evidence that 12 Russian military officers orchestrated computer hacks to try to swing the 2016 election in then-candidate Trump's favor. The accusations are all laid out in stunning detail in a new indictment by special counsel Robert Mueller, and I want to walk you through some of them. First, the indictment says Russians hacked into the email accounts of employees and volunteers working on the Hillary Clinton campaign, like John Podesta. But they also hacked into computer systems belonging to the Democratic National Committee and the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, the DCCC. While there, they stole passwords. They tracked individual keystrokes employees made, even took screenshots of whatever was being viewed on the computer screen. Now, the indictment says the Russians wound up stealing emails, opposition research, and field operation plans for the 2016 election. At least one of the hacking attempts happened the very same day then-candidate Trump said this. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. And because the Russians didn't just go after Clinton and the DNC, we now know they went after everyday Americans as well. According to the indictment, the Russians tried to hack into voting election systems, and in some instances, they were successful. In one state alone, although the state isn't specified, they were able to steal the names, addresses, and driver's license numbers, even partial social security numbers, of at least 500,000 voters. When they were done stealing what they could, the hackers set up fake personas like Guccifer 2.0 and DC Leaks to release the information. How is President Trump responding to the indictment against the Russians? He is not blaming Putin or Russia. He is blaming President Obama and the DNC. He says in an official statement, quote, these Russian individuals did their work during the Obama years. Why didn't Obama do something about it? Because he thought crooked Hillary Clinton would win. That's why. Had nothing to do with the Trump administration. And this, where is the DNC server? And why didn't the FBI take possession of it? Deep state. Joining us now, the chairman of the DNC, Tom Perez. And of course, Tom, we know you weren't necessarily the, the DNC chairman at the time Correct. this hacking happened, but what is your reaction to the president's statement? Well, it's, it's breathtaking. You, you look at the depth and breadth of this indictment, and what you just mentioned, Anna, not only was this an attack on the DNC, this was an attack on democracy, the attack on uh, state election boards, the efforts to infiltrate secretaries of state databases. This was an attack on our democracy. And, and this president knew about it before he left for his trip to Europe. And he was still calling it a witch hunt. It's anything but a witch hunt. It's a frontal attack. It's, it's not about Republicans and Democrats. It's about the integrity of our elections. It was an act of war. And you see, as recently as this morning, he's already trumping up uh, more of these conspiracy theories, trying to distract from the matter at hand. And the matter at hand, and his intelligence community has been telling him this for a long time. The matter at hand is that Russia did this in 2016. They're doing it in other countries. They attempted to uh, turn the tide in the French election in 2017. They continue their attempts here. Why? Because the leader of our nation is allowing it. He is Putin's poodle and he is not going to hold Putin accountable. That's unconscionable. And, and whether you're a Republican, Democrat, or Independent, this is not about partisan politics. This is about the most important thing we do in this country, holding elections. This is our democracy at stake. And according to this indictment, the hacking began in March of 2016. The DNC learned of it a couple of months later in May. Until now, mm -hmm. did you know to what extent hackers had been able to monitor individual computer activity for hours, apparently, down to each keystroke an employee made? Well, when I, again, I wasn't here in 2016, but when we learned that uh, there had been this uh, effort to infiltrate, uh, we immediately called in the best and the brightest folks to help us out. Uh, since I've gotten there, we've hired a spectacular uh, chief cyber officer. Cyber security is job one at the DNC, and not only at the DNC, but with our partners in the state parties who, uh, with whom we share our voter file. And, and, and the thing that I, is very clear to me is they succeeded before, they continue to try, they have uh, someone in this president who isn't going to hold them accountable, so why wouldn't you continue to try? You, you had great success in uh, undermining uh, the democratic process. And so 
That is what is just so puzzling to me about why he's even meeting with Putin on Monday. When, when um, Putin granted asylum to uh, Snowden in 2013, President Obama canceled a meeting that was on the books with Putin. That's what this president should do. And, and if he's not going to do that, he ought to hand him the indictment. He ought to demand the immediate extradition of these people involved. And let's be clear, the people named in this indictment were not low-level operatives. They are right-hand right people to Vladimir Putin. It is impossible they are Russian military officials. Uh, to suggest we, we that know he doesn't that. know. I want to ask you, though, specifically about what we're learning in the indictment, about how they did their hacking and the dissemination of these stolen documents and data. President Trump suggests there was you know, some nefarious reason the DNC didn't turn over its computer servers after the hacking was discovered. And in fact, in January of 2017, the FBI said the DNC had rebuffed its request to examine computer servers. Have you since then given the FBI no, that, or special counsel investigators that, access? This, uh, this, today's tweet is rehashing old girl, more conspiracy theories. The fact of the matter is that we cooperated fully with the FBI. And when then Director Comey went to Congress, he himself said that what he should have done differently was, I think his term was, cast a flare up to the DNC even earlier about what was going on. Uh, the DNC cooperated throughout. And, and again, today's tweet is another effort to distract from the matter at hand. And the matter at hand is that the Russians, uh, they not only hacked the DNC, but they hacked the DCCC. They, they attempted to infiltrate secretaries of state and boards of elections. They were successful in one state, getting, as you correctly point out, uh, roughly half a million uh, individual names and, and personal information. And, and they did this so that they could attempt to swing our elections. That is an act of war. And if, if we had a Democrat in the White House right now, we would, have asking, a, Tom, we would have a DNC, cabinet that's dealing with this. Forgive me, I didn't mean to stop on you, but I'm short on time. No. Has the DNC done everything in its power to make sure this doesn't happen again and to get to the absolute bottom of what happened? Has, have you turned over the DNC servers? We have cooperated from day one, and we continue to cooperate. And, uh, and, and again, uh, all you need to do is read the testimony of uh, then-Director Comey when he was in front of Congress. This is, again, another uh, red herring. And we continue, again, through our hiring, through our cyber practices, to do everything in our power to prevent it from happening again. But here's the deal, and, and one of your commentators said this before. When you can do it with impunity, as Russia did, you're going to try to do it again. We filed a civil suit because it was clear to me that we needed to do something to deter future misconduct. This president is not deterring future misconduct. To the contrary, he's aiding and abetting future misconduct. And the reason we filed a civil suit a number of months ago is because A, yeah. we were the victims, and B, I don't want this to ever happen again. This was an assault not simply on the DNC, it was mm -hmm. an assault on our democracy. And, and we're fighting hard to win elections, and we're fighting hard to win elections because this is about more than fighting for good jobs, which we're doing, fighting for health care, which we're doing, fighting for women's reproductive health, fighting for immigrant rights. It's okay. about fighting for our democracy, and he's putting our democracy at risk. Tom Paris, thank you very much for your time. Really appreciate you joining us this weekend. My pleasure.
Now lay me down before I go to sleep. In a troubled world, I pray the Lord to keep keep hatred from the mighty and the mighty from the small. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.